The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. The billions of dollars, the hundreds and thousands of billions, just what UN is investing $2.5 trillion uh, every year into the SDGs. We have not achieved much when you are look at reality. And then we start to realize at the end, it all comes down to education. Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco-Becali. Welcome back to another edition from Crisis to Creation here on Mentory TV. I'm Patricia Falco-Beccali, your host. And before getting into our subject of today, let me say thank you. Thank you so much for all your proactivity, your comments, your suggestions about guests I should get onto the show. I take them to heart and I hopefully will be able to turn it around and bring you what you co-create with me here on Mentory TV. And thank you also for all your subscribers. You did also hit the bell button, so thank you for that and of course for potentially liking and sharing this video as well. Okay, let's get to today's uh, subject and there I would like to look at development money. I mean there is about 158 billion US dollars spent in 2019 in official development money across the globe. That means governments spending money in order to change the destitute out of uh, some of these countries, get people out of poverty and really make aid something of the past. But if you ask me, that's been going on for years, if not decades, and certainly for far too long. So where's the money going? And this is why I invited Hannes Schmidt to the show. He is a star photographer, an artist, and also the founder of Smiling Gecko, an NGO that particularly looks at Cambodia, trying to change the lives of many people down there. Hannes, so good to have you here on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Hannes, you know what? Before getting into our conversation, I think I would like to launch our session today with a screen share. Um, And uh, let me just fish out what I have prepared for our viewers. And that is uh, on your website, the very first video that I will actually like to share with the people to lay the land what really is the basic of what you called your life mission? Cambodia is one of the poorest countries in the world today. 4.6 million people live under the poverty level of one US dollar a day. 
They do not receive any support from the government and live in the slums or rubbish landfills of the city as well as in the city outskirts in extreme poverty. For a few cents per hour, they have to work in factories under inhumane conditions without social or health insurance. Tens of thousands of people live in slums and feed themselves with unclean food which they find at the rubbish dumps. They have no access to education, medical care and clean drinking water. Corruption and arranged marriages of women and children are not uncommon. Thousands of children are in child prostitution. They have to serve their clients for very little money. Due to their circumstance of extreme poverty, women are being trafficked into prostitution. Right. Um, I think this video very nicely set the scene, Hannes. Tell us a little bit about what really pulled you into looking after these people, these kind of circumstances a little bit deeper and then take the next step and say, I need to do something about it. Well, my journey started in 2012. I was in an uh, art project in Thailand, and uh, it's about the Taoistic ritual opera, Chinese opera. And, um, well, on the evening, uh, I crossed the bridge, and there was a girl begging. She was covered with a piece of fabric, and I dropped some money into her rusty kind of uh, uh, box, and then the fabric went away, and I was deeply shocked because I never expected to see a completely burned face and I realized the whole body is burned. And um, while I started to talk to her and I start to learn uh, that she is actually Cambodian, uh, not Thai, that uh, her father, when she was three years old, uh, was in deep financial trouble, uh, couldn't get the money, couldn't pay back. And the only solution for him was to sell his daughters, but nobody wanted them. So he took a blowtorch, burned her face, her body, and was able to sell her into a backing syndication. And for me, you know, you hear all this, uh, you know, slumdog millionaires and everything. But when you stand in front of a girl, uh, for me, she was very small, very petite. I've realized after she's 13 and what it happened with was when she was three. And uh, you said, this cannot happen. So actually, I don't know. My reaction was I bought her from the syndication. I paid money, put her in a car, covered her with a piece of blanket and drove across the border, smuggled her back into Cambodia and put her in an orphanage. And there I learned that every year there's about 250, 300 children being splashed in acids. And uh, that brought me then finally actually to the dump site and the slums. Yeah, and this is, it's an amazing story because if, uh, and we're going to talk more about you as a personality and your own story uh, many years ago before you started founding Smiling Gecko, that, you know, that there are these kind of realities which seem in our world so unreal that you have to sell your children in order to either live or pay your debts back and you will be able to do it. And then they end up uh, what is the syndicate? What do they do with these children that, 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 are, that are disfigured on purpose? What do they do with them in, in Thailand? Well, the problem is that in the Buddhist countries, uh, when you are look like this, uh, people give money. And these children, they back, and then the money gets taken away by the syndication. But the reason why I tell always this beginning of my story was, well, you know, you get this urge to help. You want to help. 
right? And through this girl, I was ending up at the dump site in the slums because that I've been told where I find these people. I actually was told that I find much worse. And then I started to help. I'm buying rice. I'm buying uh, milk powder because the women, they have no milk. They, they are undernourished. Uh, everybody is sick, right? And I buy mineral water. And then after nearly one year, I start to realize I haven't really moved anything. They still live in this horrible environment. Children still can't go to school. They're all sick, you know, there is child prostitution, prostitution. And then you start to think, what have I done wrong? Or what I can really do? And what is really close when you live there? It's these children, you know, these big brown eyes. And, you know, they look like happy. They run through the rubbish. They're dirty. They never wash. They cough. They're sick. But it's this kind of controversial kind of thing, you know. Sometimes I had the feeling they were much more happy than our children here in Switzerland. Well, that, right? that's a, it's a good point, and it's macabre yeah. to say because, of course, these children don't know any different. They don't Anything know different. what could be on the other side. They're not linked in. They don't have, you know, they don't have the media out there. But the fact stands that these kind of circumstances, where children are being born and grow up basically with rubbish, uh, they are. That, that's the reality. And I think the most important point you just made is I gave, I gave, I gave, I bought this for them, I provided that for them, but nothing in their underlying reality changed because there's a, there's a difference between donating and then there's helping for self-help creation. That's correct. But then the problem was, I, I realized, well, what do you do if you have no education? I mean, we worry in Switzerland when our kids one week out of school, there's a disaster. You know, the Bundesrat makes a decision, right? And I'm wondering here that we not close all our school holidays because, oh my God, kids go out for five weeks, they cannot go to school. So I supported the children. I brought them to school, right? But the teacher wouldn't take them because we were stinking like rubbish bags. So I had to build a laundry, buy two pairs of school uniform, one us was washed, one they were wearing. And then I had to pay for the children. After seven months, I sit down and said, Hannes, this is even more stupid to support like these children because I'm close to 70 years old. How long can I support them? Mm -hmm. And the teachers hardly speak their own language correctly and can read and write. So I said, this is all waste. What do I do? And I started to realize that I have to find an economical way. So I started to ask the family, where are you from? They said, oh, we came from the north, you know, Batambang and he is 60, 70, 80 kilometers away. I said, do you still have land? They said, no, 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 has been taken away, you know, land grabbing or we lost it because we couldn't pay our debts. And then I said, but is somebody there? Yeah, we have an uncle and an auntie. So I was renting trucks. I uploaded 10, 15 families, 80, 90 people on the truck. We drove up there and I started to build fish farms, chicken farms, vegetable, you know, uh, and, and I thought, wow, Hannes, you are a genius. Now you really find the egg of the Columbus because now they can make money, right? And then with the money, they can support their children, they can buy medication, right? And uh, maybe also buy a, a, a motorbike or something like this. That was my idea. That was your idea, and it's a fantastic idea. I just wonder, how did these families just hop onto the, onto the, the lorry and trust you that you would look after them? Well, by then, I was over a year a part of their community. You know, I helped. They saw that I helped. Uh, but you know the problem? I failed. Nothing worked. You know, after one and a half months, my fish were swimming upside down. They were dying. They had these white spots, right? The pigs couldn't walk anymore. They were 45, 50 kilos, right? And we had to slaughter them because something was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong, right? The chicken wouldn't lay eggs. And when I started to put my wonderful seeds, bio-organic seeds from Switzerland for carrots, celery, leeks, nothing would grow. 
It was devastating. It was a total failure. And I lost a big part of our family asset because it didn't work. Yeah. It, the interesting point was that you actually bought land. You said, okay, I want to help, but I want to basically create a life for these families. I think it's about 12 families. You bought a huge plot of land and then you subdivided it into little mini farms, building a house and providing, I think, a chicken and a pig. And as you were just saying, and from that, everything started growing because these people could start uh, growing their own vegetables, potentially not only eat them, but also sell them. So they're a little bit of an economic independent started feeding into the picture, which then would eventually allow the parents to pay for the schooling for the children and then change the generation after. But, and that is really very interesting in your story, where you had these fantastic intentions, you privately paid all of this and nothing worked. So what was the next step when you said, okay, nothing is growing on this land, the fish is dying, and the people are starting to lose faith in me as well because they trusted me. Um, so where did you turn? Who helped you? Well, okay, the, the beginning is, you know, that's what happened when I went to that land. And when I see I failed with everything, right? Uh, I, I had a, a friend down there who supported me. Also, when I was sending money to the Canadian bank, uh, 15,000 Swiss francs, I only get eight, nine, ten. And I could show my waiver from uh, Swift Transform. Well, they said, oh, sorry, but we only have eight. Do you want the eight? You know, we're living in the most corrupt country in the world. So when all the stupid guys like me who are sending privately money, you're not getting this money, right? And then my friend told me that I have to start an, an NGO. A, a local NGO. So I found a young lawyer and in three months we had Smiling Gecko Cambodia. It was in 2014. And then I said, let's make the same mistake again. Then I was buying my land. Then I was uh, doing these little farms, you know, 12 farms each on 4,000 square meter. And um, well, it worked very well at the beginning till again the fish start to die, the chicken wouldn't lay eggs again, the, the pigs start to die and, and nothing would grow, right? Yeah. And I was so devastated because by then I was really deeply in there with my finances, right? And I was looking for money. Nobody gave me money. They said, you know what? If you can prove that it works, we give you money. I said, well, if I if I can prove it works, I don't need your money anymore. Exactly, I need exactly. Now. I mean, yeah, like yeah. crazy. Well, then I made a, a phone call to the to the agriculture departments in Switzerland, and one guy called me back, and he looked into, and he was just shaking his head. He said, Mr. Schmidt, I have checked you out on the internet. You are a fantastic artist, but I think it's not enough to be an agriculture engineer. <laughs> you would need to have another kind of background in the study. I said, okay, so what will we do? Can you help? He said, no, I know. Not much, but he was sending two of the agriculture engineers. One was to do for animal chicken pigs, and then the other one for vegetable. So they came, and when they came, their hair were standing straight up. They said, Hannes, you need four to seven years till you can plant something. There no is no way. nutrition. No There's no way. nitrogen. There's no nitrogen in your soil. This is just sand and, uh, and red soil, right? And then uh, your pigs probably have a very heavy genetic defect. You know, mm -hmm. they will never actually reach 100 kilo because their liver will fail. They can't walk anymore. And then your chicken, he said, is, your, is, the, is the meat tender? I said, no, it's tough like hell, this chicken. <laughs> but, you know, the Cambodians, they like it. No, they like, they like it because it's just, they use it for the soup so you can cook it for six hours and the, the meat is still on the bone. But they wouldn't lay eggs. So uh, I said, so what do we do? So we started with, uh, with uh, fertilizing, composting. We found new kind of symbols. I start flying with genetic material with the sperms of the pigs. Yeah. You know, we have always 
six boars where we milked in the morning, right? And then I flew with them to Cambodia. We inserted into the mother's house. And that's how we developed a healthy pig with a very good meat. The same, uh, the genetics uh, with the chicken, you know, I had 10 chicken and one rooster, as one 10 female and a rooster, right? And that's how we then changed a lot of roosters. We changed the females. And like this, we make actually a normally genetic, natural change. So suddenly we had enough eggs. Fertility rate went up to 90%, right? And that's how we developed all this kind of thing. But it was a long way of uh, miss, uh, really, trials and, and, and miss and trial and trial again and again and again and again till actually about uh, 2018 where we started to have uh, our learnings together start to understand much more what this is all about and what it actually is needed. Yeah, and that's an interesting one. So how many years was it trial and error, trial and error? Like four? Well, it started, it started actually in 2012. Right? Unbelievable. Okay. And you, you uh, didn't give up. I mean, your personality, I've known you now a little mm. bit, is definitely oh, uh, you, you, dynamite. You know, you, yeah. No, I'm an artist. You see, I'm not a financial guy. I'm, I'm also not a philanthropic guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a simple artist. And, well, maybe that's why it was possible. We think different. I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not afraid to make mistakes, right? Uh, but what you need is enormous energy and enthusiasm and curiosity. And, yeah, you, you're tapping in different fields. I had a school in the village with 780 children and five teachers. I mean, I knew that these teachers, they are not up speed. The kids wouldn't learn it. They learn by heart, but can, they can hardly count, right? I said, I need a school. Mm. So I read an article here in Switzerland uh, about a professor at the ETH and about alternative construction materials. So this is bamboo and this is a mushroom kind of composite who is exchanging concrete. So I wrote him a mail. And then, uh, well, again, it's my trick. You know, I asked him for a coffee. So I went there and he was excited about my project. And I said, you know, I have 34 students. They need to do their architecture diploma. Uh, they can look into your school. So they all came down there, right? They study Angkor Wat and radiation where the zone goes up and the sun goes down yeah. and everything. They came up with 18 finished projects where we selected one. It was one of uh, five young Swiss women architects and they got a studio for six months and they played my school, right? Amazing. But I, I did the same mistake uh, like probably a lot of people. We always give money to build a house. I don't need a house. I can have four trees, a piece of uh, plastic, and I benches. I need teachers. You and need the best teachers. house is exactly. You need future. I need teacher. I need teacher. Teachers, teachers. I, uh, you see, so I made the same mistake. I had a wonderful school. But I had no teacher. I was working with the, with the PH, Pedagogic Institute here in Zurich, and they were supposed to help me. Then I realized they have no understanding at all what is going on down there. Yeah? And I, I wanted to do Khmer, but I also wanted to bilingual. But, well, I couldn't do bilingual because my teachers didn't spoke English, you know. And Khmer, I couldn't do really Khmer because the teachers were neither able to, to really introduce Khmer in a proper way. So yeah. then I found a, a Swiss woman. She, she's Barbara. Amazing. She did over in 40 countries. She built schools. She was actually never in Switzerland. And uh, she came, she came and she helped me to build up. Today we run one of the best school uh, system. Uh, even it goes further, even uh, Singapore uh, education ministry comes to us and says, well, can we copy a part of your school? Really? Right? Now, that, is, have, that is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, and that, and, and well, let me just interject there because one thing is to have an idea. The other one is to get other people behind your idea and infuse and really help you proactively, but then establish something that other countries put potentially look at and say, this is interesting. And just, Hannes, allow me to uh, share another video that is on your 
website Smiling Gecko, which puts uh, you know our audience yep. into what then started working because you said, okay, everything right. went wrong, but then all of a sudden, 2018, it seems things were falling into place. We learned right, our lesson. Right, right. We grew our chickens and everything, um, and it's working. So that's the video we saw before. Let me just scroll down. And this is the video. It's called Who We Are. To break the vicious cycle, Smiling Gecko, with direct help and support from other NGOs, engages itself towards a sustainable fight against the causes of poverty. 60 kilometers away from Phnom Penh, Hannes Schmidt manages 120 hectares of land with economical, ecological and sustainable agricultural, tourism and skilled work projects with work and training opportunities for the people living in poverty. Today, hundreds of Cambodians have found work and regular income with and at Smiling Gecko. Many other extensive projects will follow. All of Smiling Gecko projects have the same goal, which is to provide young Cambodians with qualified training so that they become capable to earn a living and support themselves and their families. Education plays a crucial role in the development or progress of a society. Therefore, the opening of Smiling Gecko School, which enrolled more than a thousand pupils in 2017, takes on a central role. With the holistic approach of Smiling Gecko, Hannes Schmidt helps to shape and build a sustainable future for the people in poverty. Well, Hannes, um, you know, I, when, I, when I looked at that project and what you pulled out of the hat, even though it was a long pull, but this is a pull that was definitely worth the bunny coming out. It is amazing that all of this started with one serendipity, you being in Thailand for a total different assignment as a star photographer and ending up to really create something that is not only helping, but potentially can be a model to be scaled not only across uh, Cambodia, but many of these underdeveloped parts of this world. Tell us a little bit about once you hit this kind of success, and this was all private, these are private donations, uh, these are people from institutions also helping you, but it was nothing really governmental, especially not the Cambodian government, as far as I understand. Tell us, what was really the, what is your relationship with the local government in to what extent would it, it had to what extent would it have been really helpful to make your dream your mission and the dream of these people the realities come true faster well you start to realize when you are uh, start a project you this uh yeah, you're a foreigner and you're a guest in a country, right? And, well, I don't agree with the politics. I don't agree with the system uh, about the corruption, about selling children of uh, prostitution, uh, slavery. I mean, uh, if you look really into it, uh, your hairs are starting to really standing straight up. And uh, But you have to accept that you need to find a dialogue. It doesn't mean that I, I cannot go against them because otherwise I'm being kicked out. So I have to try to find a dialogue, uh, make connection. I made connection to Hun Sin. I was in the part of the team who brought him to Davos uh, three years ago uh, to the Economy Forum. And then the first time you start to talk, I start to economy minister, to education ministers, right? But then it, you, you can understand that you don't get help from them. What you have to find is that they don't... Uh, 
pull some 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 uh, hindrances in your way. So yes. they let you some do challenges, I mean, making it a, even harder we, for yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, we, that's why I'm a local NGO. That means I have tax exemption, VAT exemption, I have import uh, releases. Uh, they don't actually care what we do. So don't go and ask for money because when you start to ask for money, it becomes a different game, right? But the same is the same is with the foreign institution like uh, DITSA or uh, uh, the Bundesamt for Entwicklung. They don't finance small NGOs. They have four years, uh, four year uh, systems, right? And then once they do vocational training and then they do a little bit agriculture and do this, but they always involve the local government. And that's where also then the problem comes. Actually, what you mentioned at the beginning, the billions of dollars that Hundreds and thousands of billions, just what UN is investing 2.5 trillion dollar uh, every year into the SDGs. We have not achieved much when you are look at reality. And then we start to realize at the end, it all comes down to education. If you have children who cannot go to school, who cannot read and write, who don't have an understanding, how would they be ever able to become an entrepreneur to start a real company, not selling on the market some glass noodles or some uh, whatever, fish or vegetable, that doesn't help economically a country. And this is one of the biggest mistakes. Also, still today, governments, they support vocational training. But this is like putting the horse up on the exactly. table. Because exactly. You have to start before that. You have to start you before, have before that. that. That means mm-hmm. at the same time, but you have to realize, I realize very quickly, if I take a three-year-old child, he takes 20 years till it's ready. It's not even ready after 20 years. My son is 18 now. He does an apprenticeship as a as an IT developer, right, at Swisscom. But he's not ready. He needs, I need to finance another five years. Now we're coming from the outside and say, oh yeah, we give them a little bit of school, a bit of reading and writing, or maybe, maybe a meal a day. This is not enough as well. You have to start to think holistically. I copied Switzerland, the system of Switzerland. Why is Switzerland working? Because our small and medium cooperation about the education system, the social system, the health systems we have. 70% of all the Swiss, they don't work at the bank or at the pharma. There are small corporations in every village, in every little town. That is innovation. They're holding everything together. And it's very funny, you know, all the people study at the Haskis and Cullen or the university right? We don't have to, well, of course we have to study, but you just have to look into your own house and see how is our house organized. And then when you copy these elements, Absolutely. you're on the perfect way. There's no better system than the Swiss system. I'm not talking about politically, it's very slow, but from our general system, yes. where we came from, we went through the same thing that Cambodia is going through. No, and absolutely. I don't understand why people don't see that. And now we can prove with what we did. Uh, 2020 was a hard year for us with, uh, with the COVID. We talk, about, we talk about the corona. We were, we were very worried about it. But yeah. even then, with all this, we just did our new uh, business plans, our old things, what we do. We still were uh, uh, successful. And our entities where we run, they all break even. Yes. I mean, and, in and this we'll, very short time. Yes, we'll get to that. But let me just roll yeah. back for one moment. Yeah. And I know, Hannes, you're an artist. You are not too much into finance. But at the end of the day, finance, you know, money makes the world go round. And unless it's allocated in a, you know, sensical way, as you were just saying, for example, in the school system, that just the infrastructure, nothing is going to move in the long term because education, A, opens the horizon, but also gives you credibility that you can become an entrepreneur, for example, and people believe in you. And so you attract finance as well. So we were talking about this development assistance 
and committee members that's the OECD numbers, the budget, a yearly budget in 2019, 152.8 billion US dollars. Now, that is a lot of money. Of course it is. I mean, it's more than 150 billion dollars. But the global economy is worth a hundred, close to a hundred trillion US dollars. So that sounds to me like, you know, billions to trillions thing. You know, the rich countries, if you look how much they give country, now not private donors, but really countries, the official money, um, the worst one, okay, let's not talk about Slovakia, but amongst the worst one is America. If you look at the gross national income to their contributions, I mean, at several billions they give, fair enough. But compared to the GDP, they're amongst, you know, the, the lower third of donors. The higher, of course, the smaller the country, the higher the donation. And that is Luxembourg, number one, Norway and Sweden, giving close enough to about 1% of the overall contribution. And you were mentioning the uh, UN, the, um, the, SM, the, the sustainable goal, sustainable development goals. And there they said you should give at least 0.7% of your national GDP to these countries, you know, compared to the gross national income. The reason why I pull all these data out is because exactly as you said, you know, I was giving privately, but people said, are you stupid? You cannot do it. You never know where your money goes because corruption is around the corner, especially when people are suffering, you know, especially if there is a system right. that allows right. it. And this is exactly the, the zumf, you know, the, the morast where the money is going. So tell me, where does this money end up? You say on a government, local government level, but it never filters through to an NGO, uh, you know, a specific NGO like Smiling yeah. Gecko, for example. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned there is a huge, huge amount of money out there. But we're giving since 20 years this exactly. huge amount of money. I mean, I remember in the 70s when I was little, I was looking yeah. at the African baby yeah. with these big bellies, hunger udim, okay? And yeah. I, I'm still looking at them, you know? I'm yeah. over 50. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think yeah. very, the, the, the problem is even like uh, Cambodia gets from the UN 500 million, half a billion every year, just giving. We just give it to them. We don't even know what they do. Uh, then uh, the other thing is a lot of this money is government, is tax money or is tax deductible money. So when it is gone, nobody cares and they have to spend it because if they don't spend that amount, they have less next year. And that is nobody who has really a responsibility in details of this money. I even question, there is so much money and you don't need so much money. First, what you have to understand, you have to invest in human capital without human capital. And that's nobody did. Well, we think that $250, $300 a year is enough for a child to go in an education. In Zurich, in Switzerland, we spent $30,000 on the first and then a second grader a year without uniform, without medical grade, without food, without nothing. I'm spending $4,250 per year for a child. And I've been blamed by UBS Optimus, by the government. They say, are you crazy? And that wraps up the first part of my conversation with Hannes Schmidt about the Smiling Gecko, the NGO that particularly looks at Cambodia. And if you do like our conversations here on Mentory TV, why don't you become a member by joining for free, subscribing, hitting the bell button so I can always keep you informed. And yes, thank you so much for your comments, your key takeaways, and potentially also for liking and sharing. See you soon.
I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.